Is it already time for the New York Jets to move on from Zach Wilson and find a different quarterback? We talk about that and so much more coming up next year on this episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. We're here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday. That means you have me, Kevin Ostriker, the host of Locked On Ravens, and one of the many NFL experts here on our network. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to you fast about your job for free. And LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown NFL. LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown NFL to push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We are a five-day-a-week NFL podcast bringing you the biggest stories across the league. And week two was another doozy. We had a lot of good games, a lot of hard-fought games, also a couple blowouts here and there. We're going to be diving in to the biggest storylines from week two from Sunday's action. We're first going to be getting into a conversation with John Butchko about Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles. Just a couple plays into his New York Jets tenure out for the year. So it's now the Zach Wilson show. But after three interceptions showing in the fourth quarter against Dallas and blowout, we talk with John about if it's already time for the Jets to move on from Wilson and find somebody else. Then we'll talk with just a trainer of Locked On Giants about Saquon Barkley. Ended up going down with an ankle injury, and we have a couple of updates on Barkley. Obviously, we don't know everything yet. We'll talk with Patricia about what she knows so far. And also that Giants comeback win against the Arizona Cardinals. Then in the final segment, we'll move on, talk with Daniel Wade of Locked On Chargers about Brandon Staley, an 0-2 start for the Chargers. Is Brandon Staley on the hot seat? So without any further ado, let's first get into our conversation with John Butchko of Locked On Jets. The New York Jets obviously suffered one of the more devastating injuries we've seen over the past couple of seasons with Aaron Rodgers going down, tearing his Achilles, just a couple plays into his New York Jets debut. And here to talk about what is next for the Jets after a week two 20-point loss to the Dallas Cowboys, where Zach Wilson throws three fourth-quarter interceptions, is John Butchko, the host of Locked On Jets. And John, I know just the devastating feeling that Jets fans went through last week as Rodgers goes down the you know the injury updates come out and they come out and they come out and you here he tears the Achilles Zach Wilson the new guy in New York but in this 30 to 10 loss to Dallas in week two throws three fourth quarter interceptions 170 yards for Zach Wilson what did you see from him whether encouraging not encouraging or both Well, I think the first thing to note is that, yeah, he threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter, but all three of them came in garbage time. The game was long lost by that point. Uh, So they weren't necessarily significant for the game. I I think if you're listing the reasons the Jets lost this game, Zach Wilson rates very low. Um, I think that the first half, you actually saw some good things from him. You saw him actually make a couple good reads, which... You know, it was something you'd expect from an NFL quarterback, but it's something Zach Wilson really hasn't done much in his first two seasons. Uh, you saw times where instead of he had this really bad tendency the first two years to just drift back. The first time he, he, he felt pressure, he'd like run back as far as he could. You saw him either step up in the pocket or slide left to right and extend plays. So 
there's been progress from Zach Wilson. There's been improvement, but I think you have to understand that progress and improvement are relative terms. I mean, Zach Wilson's starting from a really low point. And if you look at the players who are comparable statistically, his first two seasons, I mean, you're getting into the realm of Kyle Bowler, Joey Harrington, Ryan Leafs, a name that's been through Jamarcus Russell. It's a really undistinguished list. So Zach Wilson could be better. That still doesn't mean he's good enough. And I don't, again, I don't think Zach Wilson's the reason the Jets lost this game, you know, going in, Everybody said that the Jets defense needs to carry this team. You cannot put yourself in a position where Zach Wilson needs to carry this team on his back. And in this, in the portion of the game where it was close, where the, you know, where the Jets were within striking distance, I think Zach Wilson did okay. Things fell apart in the portion where he essentially needed to carry the team on his back and tried to do too much. But did I see anything that makes me super confident in Zach Wilson going forward in this game? No. And it kind of goes back, John, to what we were talking about all last season, all off season before the Jets actually traded for Rodgers, which is, oh, well, you know, if the Jets had a quarterback, this defense is good enough. But what if they had a more competent, I guess is the word I'll use quarterback at that position with Rodgers going down. Now you're on to Wilson. And it's so hard now because the season's already started. So it's not like teams just going to give you a quarterback and it's not like anybody else out there is this stud pro bowl, all bro type of player. So do you think that the jets should be looking for someone else to come in, maybe take Zach Wilson's spot, or do you think that they just have to kind of ride it out because this is the plan they had all off season. If I just were to go down in the first place. I think it's a little bit of both. I think they should absolutely be looking for any upgrade that's out there, whether that's in the trade market, whether that's in free agency. The problem is that, Anybody who's a good quarterback already has a team right now. And if you look across the league, if you have a good backup quarterback, you're probably looking at what happened to the Jets and saying, you know what, this guy's pretty valuable because of what's happening with the Jets right now. And I think, I mean, this is maybe we're getting into like conspiracy John territory, but I feel like the Jets are almost, almost stuck with Zach Wilson because they felt like they had to like sell this narrative that like Aaron Rodgers is going to mentor Zach Wilson and he's going to fix him. And I think like they, they're kind of they just kind of like tried to play into that. And it maybe it was to their own detriment because they benched Zach Wilson last year and they brought in Mike White and then Mike White got injured and they put Zach Wilson back in the lineup. I don't think it, they did Zach Wilson any any favors by reinserting him into the lineup late last season. He started two games, one against Detroit where he was actually okay. And then one against Jacksonville, which is a disaster where he ended up getting benched for Chris Strebler, who was a, preseason folk hero and a practice squad player for the jets um you know it's a tough spot for the jets right now at the quarterback like any team that loses its quarterback week one with on the first series is obviously going to face a lot of issues but i think that if the jets were serious about this thing with zach wilson they were, if they were if they really believe zach wilson's our future they would have gone out and gotten another number two quarterback because I just don't think it's good for Zach Wilson to be playing right now. I think last year, as much as anything, he lost a lot of confidence the way things happened. And I think the biggest thing for them was to try and rebuild his confidence. And, you know, I mean, you said it, you know, it was a game where it wasn't really his fault, but the headline a lot of people are taking from this is he threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter. And I just think that mentally that may not be the best thing for Zach Wilson. I think the Jets, Look, I'm not. This is not a second guess. This is something I said a lot on Locked On Jets in the off season. 
I don't think the Jets handled this well, and I don't think they did any Zach Wilson any favors by making him the number two quarterback this year. And now with Rodgers done for the year and Wilson coming in, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Wilson or somebody else they bring in, I think expectations for the Jets compared to what they were before the season, John, are lowered in some way, shape, or form. But to you, what do you think the Jets can do with Wilson? Can the defense carry them enough? Can the skill position players carry them enough? What can the Jets still do in 2023? So Joe Flacco started the first couple of games for the Jets last year. So it wasn't all Wilson, but you, the Jets were five and two at one point last year with, uh, and it was because they, they wrote a great defense. They had Brees Hall who was on his way to, I think he was, I think he was going to win the rookie of the year last year. And it's funny because one of his teammates, Garrett Wilson actually ended up winning the rookie of the year. And then they just didn't ask a whole lot from their passing game. Now, I think that that's not necessarily a formula they can, carry forward to the degree they did in those first seven games because they also ran into a lot of backup quarterbacks during that stretch so it was you know they didn't really need to get a whole lot the competition this year is going to be better but i mean i think the formula is not that different i think the formula is this defense needs to play well and the defense was awful in this game and i, I don't think they'd win this game if aaron Rodgers was at quarterback Brees hall only got four carries and he also put out a tweet or an x or whatever you want to call it of four football emojis, which, you know, if you are reading between the lines, I think that that, that is pretty easy to, I think sometimes maybe we misinterpret what a player puts out on social media. Sometimes like there's some cryptic uh, tweet or X that's not really the player saying what we think he's saying, but after a game where he gets four carries and he puts out four football emojis, pretty clear that he's not happy with what, what happened. But he's got to be a bigger part of the offense going forward. And I think that's a – I can't figure out how Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, only gave him the ball four times in this game. But going forward, it kind of has to be the opposite of what happened in, in this game. That uh, You know, you, you need better defense, you need good defense, and you need Brees Hall to carry the load. And is that a great plan? I mean, look, this is a league where quarterbacks really matter. So you're at a disadvantage. I'm not saying it's the best plan out there. I'm just saying it might be the best plan the Jets can come up with right now. We'll see what the Jets do. Major shout out to John for providing some insight on New York and that team. And for more on John's work, check him out over at the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So much still to get to on Locked On NFL. Coming up, we'll be diving in to Saquon Barkley and what his ankle might be doing right now for the New York Giants. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Plan to talk about here on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every potential hire can really feel like a high-stage wager for a small business. You want to be 100% certain you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs to find the right people for your team faster and for free. And for me, I've had a ton of great experiences with LinkedIn, whether it's been looking for jobs, sending friends jobs. There are a lot of different ways LinkedIn can be used in a really positive way. And it's really easy to create a free job post over on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job in the pro hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring over on LinkedIn. They have simple tools they can use too, like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who would like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And it's really important to start and end the year strong and the right team member might help you do that. That's why small business is right leading jobs number one. It's different quality hires for sitting competitors. Then jobs to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to fast about your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL to push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, 
look no further than prize picks. Prize picks is the most fun. So many have had running up to 25 times their money this football season. All I have to do is select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. And prize picks is super simple to play too. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And you might have selected maybe Saquon going for more than his projected total. Aaron Rodgers, obviously you weren't picking him this week. Maybe for Lamar, you wanted to go for more on Lamar's touchdown total. Justin Jefferson, more for his projected yard total. So many offers over on Price Picks and weekly promotions as well. That can be the big pals like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts like player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So go to PricePicks.com slash LockdownNFL and use code LockdownNFL for our first deposit match. Up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash LockdownNFL and use code LockdownNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Oshreker still here with you on this Monday. Right after Sunday's Week 2 action, diving into the biggest storylines. We talked with John Butchko of Locked On Jets. But now let's move over to the other New York team, the New York Giants. Talked to Patricia Trainer of Locked On Giants about how Saquon Barkley's ankle is doing. An update on him. Also, that Giants come from behind win. We'll get into our conversation with Patricia right now. The New York Giants pick up a win against the Arizona Cardinals, but it might have come at a bit of a price as Saquon Barkley goes down here to talk about the latest on Saquon and just who this Giants team is right now is Patricia Traina, the host of Locked On Giants. And Patricia, the Giants escape with a three-point win behind a 17-point fourth quarter the comeback there but Saquon does go down so before we get into the game let's start with him he goes down very late into the game as the Giants are trying to win the game what do you have on Saquon and what would it mean if he's out long term for the Giants well right now all we know is that x-rays were negative which means there's nothing broken but he's going to have an MRI on Monday, that's going to tell us the story because look, when he got injured, it looked like somebody rolled up on his ankle and it got caught underneath him. And the way he reacted afterwards, how he pounded his fists on the turf. And then on the sideline, he basically took his helmet helmet off and slammed it down on the turf. That wasn't promising. And in the locker room afterwards, according to, you know, what I heard, um, he was walking around with a noticeable limp, looked swollen, so the concern I think that the Giants have is, is it a high ankle sprain? And if it is a high ankle sprain, I don't see him being ready for Thursday night's game against the 49ers. And who knows how much time he'll miss. But either way, it's a devastating uh, result for Saquon Barkley, who, as you know, playing on the one-year franchise tag offer, looking for that big payday, looking to stay healthy, gambling on himself. And now this had to happen. Yeah, and you know, it almost, Patricia, brings us back to the conversations that we had throughout the offseason when I was asking you about Saquon's contract. You know, what would it mean for the Giants if Saquon doesn't suit up in week one? What if he's not available? Who do the Giants turn to if Saquon has to miss a couple of games here? That's a very good question. I mean, I think they, obviously, they still have Daniel Jones who can run the ball if they need to, but, you know, they don't want to have their quarterback running the ball. So I think you, you it becomes a committee approach. You know, Matt Breida's the backup. You've got Gary Brightwell who can take some snaps. The rookie Eric Gray might be able to take some snaps. You know, they work Paris Campbell out of the backfield on, on certain, you know, uh, plays. So it, it's going to have to be a committee approach if Saquon cannot go. And I know that, Patricia, there were expectations for this team coming into the year after their year last year that they blew all those expectations 
out of the water, but a pretty embarrassing loss in week one followed up by this, which they were down. They came back and won the game, but against the Cardinals team that is essentially, I don't want to say tanking, but kind of tanking for, for high draft status. Who do you think this Giants team is right now? And are the expectations now for you a little lower than they were to start the season? Or are you still high on what they can do? Well, I think they were humble last week, you know, against the Cowboys. I think that that was an eye opener for them because look, you know, just in walking around the locker room leading up to that game, there was a lot of confidence, quiet confidence. Hey, you know, we could stand toe to toe with the Cowboys and so on and so forth. And we saw that they couldn't, at least not in that first game. So I think they've been humbled, but I also think that, you know, the resiliency that they showed in this victory is going to go a long way to maybe, you know, giving them confidence when they go up against the 49ers. Now the 49ers are one of the better teams in the NFC. So you know, at this point, if you're the Giants, yes, you would like a win if you can pull it off, but you also want to be able to stay on the same field with the better competition. And that's something they couldn't do last week against the Cowboys. That's something they almost didn't do against the Cardinals, who, as you said, has have one of the poorest rosters in the NFL, if not the poorest. And uh, that's something they, they just need to do next week against the, or I should say on Thursday against the 49ers. Yeah, and I know for Daniel Jones, Patricia, I think any performance would have been better than what he had in week one. Obviously, it was a much better time this time around for Daniel Jones, threw for over 300 yards, had the two touchdowns in there with the one interception. Was it at least encouraging to see Daniel Jones just be anything better than what he was in week one? Because I know it was not fun for the Giants last week against Dallas. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones, he's a tough, resilient young man. Um, and, and, you know, when you consider what he did in the second half, did it without Andrew Thomas, who was inactive with the hamstring injury. They lost Ben Bredesen and they had a replacement with Mark Lewinsky, who, you know, was benched actually um, at the start of the game. So, so yeah, Daniel Jones just being able to do all that, despite the fact that, you know, he had a, a brand new offensive line configuration he was playing behind. It just goes to show you, and the, you know, the confidence he had in Jalen Hyatt and Darren Waller. I mean, that's never waned. So, Daniel Jones just loading that team up on his shoulders and, and taking them across the finish line. Yeah. And I know that on defense, Patricia, Don Martindale comes in last year, kind of transforms not only the on field product, but the culture of that unit. What have you seen from him and his unit through two games this year? Well, I thought. The start of the game was a little sloppy in terms of discipline. You know, there were a couple of 15-yard penalties. I think uh, on one drive, the Cardinals' first scoring drive, I want to say they had two penalties. And I thought, okay, a little sloppy there. You know, plays weren't being made. I thought the front seven was quiet. But again, resiliency. They came back, and suddenly the front seven seemed to wake up from its slumber. Um, you saw plays being made on the back end of the defense. Some of the mistakes and sloppiness you saw in the first half got were eliminated. So, you know, they, they just don't give up. And that's what you want to see. It's like, okay, things aren't going our way, guys. So we can either, you know, quit and go home or we can keep fighting our way out of it. And they chose to fight their way out of it. Yeah, and I, I want to kind of get your opinion on a pretty open-ended question, Patricia. But after two weeks... Who do you think this New York Giants team is? It is early. I, I know I don't want to over, we don't want to overreact too much to the first month or so of the season, but have your expectations maybe changed at all for this Giants team? Who are they in your estimation right now? Uh, they're probably a middle of the road type team still right now. You know, I mean, 
Look, they beat the team that they were supposed to be, which was the Cardinals, by three points, which, you know, is what I kind of predicted. I think I was off by the score, but I got the deficit right. Um, the Cowboys, I thought they could be competitive against. I thought they could beat them, but, you know, we all know what happened in that game. So I would say so far, you might you might say that the script is kind of going the way people, a lot of people thought it would, you know, beating the teams that they should beat and not being beating the teams that, you know, they're going to lack in talent against. So we'll still find out. There's still, you know, another few weeks before we really get a handle on what kind of team this is. But um, the resiliency, I mean, that that's that goes a long way. Don't don't kid yourself. That is a huge, huge development for this Giants team. And and we'll see how they're able to parlay that into their performance against the 49ers on Thursday night. Patricia, given the valuable New York Giants updates and insight, and for more on Patricia's work, go check her out over on the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Still a ton to get to in the final part of our show. We're going to be diving in to Brandon Staley and his early season status with the Los Angeles Chargers. So we're going to stay tuned. So much still to get to on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel and snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So if you got in on some of those bets over the weekend over on FanDuel. You might have won yourself a lot of money. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. We're back here. Our final segment of this Monday edition of Lockdown NFL. Kevin Ostriker is still here with you again. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe, follow along, audio form, video form. We're available anywhere you get your podcast. But let's now dive into Brandon Staley, his status with the Chargers. Chargers off to a rough 0-2 start. Daniel Wade is here to take us through what the Chargers are going through and what could be next. Let's get into our conversation with Daniel now. Well, stop me if you've heard this one before. The Los Angeles Chargers lose in a close game, this time to Tennessee Titans, 27-24. In overtime, Nick Folk wins it for the Titans. And here to talk about just what's going on early with the Chargers is Daniel Wade, one of the hosts over at Locked On Chargers. And Daniel, is an 0-2 start for the Chargers. Again, expectations going into the season were decently high for a Los Angeles team that I feel like a lot of people feels like has the pieces to do it, but just has not done it over the past however many years you want to go back. So let's start off with this game in particular. How did the Chargers let this one slip away? Well, I think in, in week one against the Dolphins, it was very easy to to point the finger at the defense because you give up, you know, 36 points when it probably should have been more in that game. You kind of understand not putting much on the offense when they put up 34. This week, I would lean more towards the offense not putting the game away. I mean, the Chargers let the Titans hang around, and I just don't think the Titans, you know, coached by Mike Vrabel are a team you want to let hang around in a game like that. You don't want it to turn into a street fight. That's what it became at the end of the game, and they ended up taking it. But to me, it was the Chargers getting the ball twice in the fourth quarter, up by four, and they had a three and out and one first down on the second series there, zero points. You get the ball down three, you go and end up tying it, but you have a chance to win the game with less than 20 seconds left. With a touchdown, you can't get it done. And then a totally you know discombobulated first overtime drive where the Chargers go three and out, three straight incompletions. The last play 
snapped early, totally broken play where basically the last two plays of the drive, you end up throwing it away. I mean, the defense wasn't great, and they have plenty of blame to share in this loss, but it, to me, it was the Chargers not being able to finish, which obviously has plagued them not just this season. Yeah, and I know there's or the Chargers are really dealing with a couple of injuries. Austin Eckler not playing in this game, and you know every team gets beat up throughout a year. But I know Eckler's had some injury history over the course of his career. I mean, if there were some positives you could at least take away from this game, game if it makes you say, you know what, the Chargers are zero two, but they've shown me something. What have they shown you, if anything, so far? Man, I mean that that's hard because, like, I I think you know you've seen good things in in both games. But you haven't seen a single good thing done in either, you know, in both games. Like, I, I think there's positives individually you could take away. I mean, in this game, the pass rush looked much better. But Ryan Tannehill completes 20 out of 24 passes. So you can't really feel good about that. I mean, Kellen Moore ran the ball extremely well in the first matchup, over 230 yards. And in this game against a good front, the run game totally disappears. They run the ball in some inopportune moments. And, I mean, at the end of the game, can't go and put the game away. I mean, I think... When you have Justin Herbert, I mean, a lot of people are going to put this on him. He definitely had his chances. Justin Herbert's not the problem. Justin Herbert is arguably the only thing keeping the Chargers from being close in a lot of these games to being a truly terrible football team. But it's just it's so hard to find the positives in a game like this. Five sacks is nice. I think they do have something in their rookie. Tuli Tui Pelotu just had his best game and his only second career game in the NFL. Had a nice couple of really good plays. But besides that, man, I mean... <laughs> After 0-2, you know, it, there's a, it's pretty hard to find a lot of silver linings. And now the Chargers have to play the Vikings on the road. They'll go play in Minnesota in Minnesota. Then they have the Raiders and the Cowboys and the Chiefs. So when talking about a coach, Daniel and Brandon Staley, who I know a lot of people probably would have anticipated would be fired after last season's debacle. He comes back. Now his team is 0-2. How far do you think this thing has to go? How bad do you think this thing has to get? I know you've probably talked about it a ton over on Locked On Chargers, but what's kind of the status of Brandon Staley, and do you think that there could be an early season coach firing if it doesn't get better? Hanging on by a thread is, I think, the best way to kind of sum it up for Brandon Staley. Uh, I it, The Chargers don't usually fire coaches. I mean, it's been more than 20 years since they fired a coach midseason. It's not usually the way things go, but – if the losses start to pile up, I mean, you have another tough matchup with the Vikings who have had a couple of close games to open up their season as well. That's not going to be an easy matchup. The Raiders are coming up. So, I mean, he will have a chance, right, to save his job. If this thing goes 0-4 at the bye week, I don't think anyone's safe. I, I don't know how you could sit here, you know, with this team, with this quarterback specifically, and say, hey, if you're 0-4, you're still going to get the chance to, to work it out the rest of the season. If I had to guess, I'd say they probably win a couple. He kind of can stay around for the rest of the season if things don't go totally off the rails. But, I mean, to say he's on the hot seat feels like an understatement. I mean, at this point, it, it feels like he has to come back and win his job back. If the season ended today, there's no chance Brandon Staley's you know, keeping the reins in 2024. He has to really, I think, show this front office and – you know, coaching staff, the rest of the players that are out there, that he is the guy and he's going to have 15 games to do it, but it's hard to feel very good about it at the moment. Yeah. And then if you do that, the Chargers are looking at in the offseason a coaching overhaul. You got to go get on new coaches for everything. But the Chargers added a new offensive coordinator last <laughs> off, well, this past offseason and yeah. Kellen Moore, former Cowboys guy. I mean, how does the new offense look to you as a whole with Kellen Moore's fingerprints on it? 
I think overall it's been good. I think it's been welcome changes, but I think at the same time you're coming off of a game where you go two of 14 on third down. That's just not good enough. And it's an incredibly small sample size. Um, I think that one of the things that was promised during the off season, one of the things that was talked about ad nauseum was just the chargers being a vertical passing attack, pushing the ball down the field, using Justin Herbert's tools to their advantage. And we haven't seen much of that over the first two weeks. The first week against the Fangio defense, they ran the ball a lot. That was seemed like more game script related more than just, you know, not trusting Justin Herbert to do it. But the second game, the Chargers had a much better matchup against a banged up Tennessee Titans secondary. And still, I mean, a play here or there, but for the most part, it seemed like a very challenging day for this offensive line, which has a lot of pieces in stone for the next few seasons and key moments not coming up clutch. And then for Justin Herbert and this offense, just too little too late i mean they just couldn't get things together it feels like they're trying to push tempo at the wrong times it feels like justin herbert's trying to do everything the way kellen Moore kind of wants the things done in this offense hurrying things up using their tempo but at times it seems like they're just not on the same page and maybe that's something that works itself out because it is two games into a season and he is a brand new guy the Chargers did not play their starters in the preseason i'd say overall it's much better i like it better than the joe lombardi experience but it's just hard to argue after a game Again, where you go 2 of 14 on third down, and then you have multiple chances to put a game away and to finish, to run up the score even, like Kellen Moore has talked about before, and they weren't able to do it. The Chargers have some time to right the shit, but not a very strong early start, especially with how they've just always been this team that loses close games. So huge shout-out to Daniel and from Ron, his work. Check him out over at the Locked On Chargers podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's all I have for you here today, though, on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for being here and tuning in with us today. When we get back in tomorrow, more NFL content with your Tuesday. Hill, so be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked On NFL.